0: Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We are in the Kintec studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. A lot to get into today. Canucks and Anaheim Ducks. You might hear this a lot through the course of today's program. The penultimate game of the season for the Vancouver Canucks.
1: So you mean there's one more game left after this? Yes. You've been waiting all week to get back to this day, haven't you? It
0: is the penultimate game. Yes, you have. Uh, it is the second to last game for the Vancouver Canucks, ergo, it is the penultimate game for the Vancouver Canucks. Yes,
1: very good, Dan.
0: Uh, lost three nothing last night to the LA Kings. Do
1: we have to talk about it? No. Okay, good.
0: You and Bick did a wonderful job. Fantastic post game, fantastic. Last
1: night. I mean, it was an award winning um, breakdown of the Vancouver Canucks. It really was. I so. highly,
0: I highly suggest people go go back and listen on the podcast. Page.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We had a lot of fight. We had a lot of fun.
0: Oh, did you fight more than Sheldon Drys and, and J T Miller or no?
1: Um probably not. Probably not. Probably okay. not. And
0: Sheldon Dry's sneaky tough guy. <laughs> uh Adrian Kempe not sneaky tough, though <laughs> oh, kind of curious as to why he was uh trying to fight JT Miller so much last night.
1: Yeah. I mean but uh, I don't know what was going on.
0: The less said the better about uh the three nothing loss for the Vancouver yes, Canucks last night. Please, Go check you. out the post game show from last night. One of the things um, we are continuously getting questions about mailbag isn't until Friday, but
1: are we dipping in early?
0: We're dipping in a little bit okay, early. Let's do it because i've I've had this question a bunch, my Twitter mentions, and I know we get it 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Mm-hmm. And now that the Canucks are guaranteed at least a shot at Connor Bedard, yeah. The wonder is what is going to happen with that draft pick. Because there are and is a large segment of the fan base that is still wondering is this draft pick on the table to go out and add something else to this roster at the NHL level. I mean, it's not the same level of
1: untouchable as say an Elias Petterson or a Quinn Hughes mm-hmm. or perhaps even Thatcher Demko. Yeah. But it ranks right up there, I'd say, as asset to the organization in terms of importance.
0: So it would be like tier two level of untouchability.
1: Pretty much, right? Tier two, right? <laughs> uh, like probably fits in there with Hironic, yeah. you know, who they just acquired. Yeah. And hey, maybe even Kuzmenko, you kind of mm-hmm. put in there with, with the season he's had, just signed a two-year extension, of course. That's kind of, I think, how that pick is viewed. That would be my assessment of the situation. Because now that it's insured to be a bottom 11 pick Mm -hmm. and we'll see ultimately where it falls in it's all of a sudden a value asset a real value asset you're getting a good player here if you play your cards right like there's a star maybe even superstar level player available for you for you at 11 and we get so caught up in you know hey you got to have the first pick second pick and of course but hey the first and second pick is up to a lottery you can't you can't guarantee it yeah but start looking at drafts the third pick fourth pick fifth pick Mm -hmm. every year one or two of those players busts or yep. is nowhere near the player you thought he'd be. And then there's a bunch of players at that 9, 8, 7, 11, 12, 13 range that ends up being better than a number of guys picked a lot higher. Yeah. Go through every single draft. There's there's a guy there. So it comes down to your scouting. if you scout well, you're getting a really good player if you're picking in top 11. Like a really good player if you play. You can even get a superstar level player in the top 11 if things work out for you. So with that being the case, yeah. Why would you be moving that asset when you need some cheap, controllable talent coming into this organization to help them in a couple years if they truly are a contender?
0: This is um, like all you have to do is use a little bit of logic to figure out that the Vancouver Canucks are very unlikely to move their first round draft choice wherever it may end up. And by logic, I mean, look at their cap situation. There really isn't a world where the Canucks trading their first round pick to add something to their current roster that's probably going to have some level of a cap hit to it makes sense. Like they're they have negative cap space going into the summer. It makes less than zero sense to move your first round draft choice in order to add more cap. To your books for the coming years, even if it is a younger player on a not very expensive contract right now, it's still something that doesn't really add up. If the Canucks are going to, and I do imagine they are going to try and add to this roster, they still have to move out money first and then they can add some money on. But I don't think that happens before the draft and I don't think they use their first round draft choice to end up doing that it just doesn't make a ton of sense for where they are right now mind you we did say that about the philoperonic trade it, when no they made it, it. it's
1: true it's true I will say this though about the philoperonic trade so it, I agree and it's hey, aging
0: better I would say well it is and for me it's aging well or has aged well after it just seemed very out of left field. When they made the trade.
1: Yeah, it was out of left field in that sense. Like We didn't expect it, but it fit what they've been looking for and everything they've said in terms of the players they've been targeting and the age range and wanting a right-side defenseman and how hard it is to acquire those players. And you use the pick you got from the the Horvat trade to make that deal, to acquire that player. But all along, you still look at your your pick this year as being an important asset for you. I mean, they even name-checked it in the... um, in the letter to the season ticket holder. Like, we sat there and talked about Ethan Bear being an inclusion. Should we now talk about the draft pick?
0: They name-dropped the the player who hasn't even been drafted yet. Yeah,
1: because they know it's going to be a good pick. Now, I think the hope had all all along been, when the season went sideways, it was going to be, you -hmm. know, a top 10 pick or top 8, 9 pick. We'll see if it ends up being that. There there are two games left, and, you know, do they end up with a 10th or 11th worst record? Got to
0: lose at least one of these games.
1: Yeah, I mean, they lose tonight against... Uh, Arizona, I mean, against Anaheim, they guarantee a top 10 pick.
0: Yeah. So that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, Washington, there's a lot of games going on. We'll keep an eye on them. But the pick, it's a pick you have to make, I think, if you're the Vancouver Canucks. For a lot of reasons, as we've sort of outlined already, they're going to add to this team, but they're going to do it through other avenues than using their first-round draft choice. You can't just continuously move first round picks. We know they took over a team that had spent their previous two first rounders. You can't just keep spending like that and not expect it to come back around. They've done a good job of building out depth in their organization, but they still don't have a lot of high end prospects that are going to be able to help Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson in a couple years from now. Well, and that's
1: exactly. And if you start looking at okay teams that are actual Cup contenders mm-hmm. and teams that win Stanley Cups how many of them have a couple players on ELCs that make a big difference? A number of them. Oftentimes they do. Or players just off ELCs that are huge contributors on very value, value, team-friendly deals, right? On second contracts that haven't yet hit a huge number, right? So where do you get that? Sure, you can try to trade for it, but it costs you a lot. Mm -hmm. The best thing you can do is is draft one of those guys. And if I look at this year's draft and go through the players who are available, the centers and the defensemen we kind of talk about they kind of, outside of the obvious ones, very high in the draft. There's a couple of guys that kind of fit that range where Vancouver finds itself now. Whether that's a David Reinbacher, a yeah. wide defenseman. And we'll see how high he ends up going. Maybe he even shoots up higher. But if he shoots up higher, what does that mean? Somebody mm-hmm. gets pushed down. Mm-hmm. And when you look at some of the centers available, like true centers... Whether it's Oliver Moore, whether it's Dalibor Dvorsky, who we've also discussed, they kind of fit that range where Vancouver's looking at. And even if Vancouver had to pick at number five, what's to say they wouldn't take one of those guys there, potentially? Depending on who's there. Like I think the top four, including Michkov, like mm-hmm. you no matter where you're at, if you get one of those guys, take them. But if those guys are all gone, then at number five, I think there is a there's a good group of guys there that, depending on what team you're looking at, they could value them quite differently. Like last year, Kevin Korczynski went eighth overall. Yeah. And people didn't expect him to go that high.
0: Every year there's that. Um, you know, the uh, Quinn Hughes draft year when we saw Barrett Hayton jump up. Mm-hmm. Now, Hayton is finally having a, a half-decent season in the NHL, but it's it's taken him some time. Kokinemi, when he got taken by the Montreal Canadiens at third overall, and it was just a lack of centers in that draft. And you look at the... Um, if you really look at, at at how this is lining up and this sort of happened last year as well and I remember talking to Alvine after the draft mm-hmm. and after the first round sat after they had taken Jonathan Lecheramaki and one of the things he kind of dropped was yeah, we're not sure how many of these guys are actually going to end up playing center yeah. anyhow. Yeah. Whereas this year, I think you have a better sense that these guys can play or at least a few of these guys can play through the middle of the ice, whether it is Dvorsky, uh, you know, Braden Yeager, Will Smith, um, Oliver Moore, who we talked to on this show, even uh, Ryan Leonard has potential to play center. So like there's guys that, you know, are going to play center that are coming out in this draft.
1: Yeah, there's a number of them. I wonder about Jaeger, for instance, and even Ryan Leonard, who I like, has a potential, but will he be a center? Mm. But you're right. I mean, there, there are a number of them here who could easily fit in as a long-term fits, especially for what, what what Vancouver is looking for. Now, I'm not saying take a player because he's a long-term fit over somebody else who's you know a higher talent player, but it actually lines up that the best players available are going to be those types of guys at that range.
0: Well, I'm, I'm also—I've kind of gotten to a point where I'm okay if you reach a little bit for the center or the right-shot defenseman. See, it. it yeah, the right-shot defenseman I can
1: understand to some yeah. extent. It all depends on what we're reaching for. Mm-hmm. I don't like taking guys outside of a tier. So if a guy's—let's say you're in a tier and you have these guys that's clear, clearly a cut above and as impact mm-hmm. players— I'm not taking a lesser player in a, in a lower tier because he has a better fit. So it has to kind of be within that tier, yeah. Where it's like, okay, I th- I think this player is better, mm-hmm. but this guy's not far off. But he fits what we're looking for, or like, at least has a trait that's hard to find.
0: If um, and and I know like people are gonna come in on the text box and be like, well, what, the Canucks did it with levy instead of Kachuk, and they should yeah. have never done that. And yeah. fair opinion, obviously, hindsight twenty twenty. But let's not do revisionist history and say that Yulevi wasn't among the top defensemen going into that draft. Mm-hmm. Um should they have taken Kachuk? Obviously, yes. <laughs> but let's not pretend Yulevi wasn't on the radar for being the top defenseman taken in that draft.
1: He was. I mean he was he was very clearly a top six seven prospect yeah. on everyone's main list like he was consensus and many people said he's the best defenseman and hey there was a lot of inflation there when you look back at it yeah the question always you know what let's not do it we've done <laughs> 11 many times. I'm, I'm i not just i it. just use it as an example yeah. to <laughs> know, make
0: the point of <laughs> like it, it happens teams will take uh the top defenseman if they see the need there and Sometimes it can blow up in your face. There is no doubt about that. But it can also work in your favor if it's merit cider, right? Well, exactly. Uh, right shot D. Like that guy was not on anybody's radar to be a top yeah. 10 pick that year. Steve Eiserman said, no, I like this guy. I'm taking him. Even Elias Patterson.
1: Yep. You know, people kind of had him at, you know, they thought he get taken nine, 10, 11 range a little bit or whatever. There was some buzz. He might go a little bit higher at six or seven or something that year. But like when he went at five, there was some surprise. Now, uh, locally, we had talked about the possibility that Pedersen could be the Canucks guy at number five. So there was yep. some sentiment here. But, you know, league-wide, it wasn't quite... It was a bit of a surprise. Ends out being a really good selection. And there was a guy by the name of Cody Glass in that year's mm-hmm. draft, who many looked at as Canadian center, big, can do a bit of everything, played and he's in he's now WHL. a first-line
0: center sat with the Nashville Predators.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's... On, you, know, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give him credit. He's yeah. finding a role in the NHL. He's becoming a decent player. But he's nowhere near. He's an not impact Elias Patterson. Guy. No, yeah. nowhere near. And there was a lot of consternation about why the Canucks didn't take the sure bet of right. Cody Glass over Elias Patterson, and hey, the rest is type of history. And this this goes back to the discussion I was just having. Yeah. Now the Rangers were in. There was a couple of teams. I think there was Rangers that really liked Patterson, and you know, so he could have ended up going high anyways. But there was a world in that draft where things had had played a certain way that the Canucks end up with a ninth pick and still get, end up getting Patterson in that year's draft. Yeah. Now it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. That, that that goes back to illustrating my point that even if you pick nine or 10 or 11, it depends on your board and usually your boards pretty different from most other teams boards. S- especially once
0: you get out of the top three, four, yes. right. Um, and that's, especially in this draft, we know who the four best talents are. We might see Mitchkov fall down the board because of the obvious reasons. He's not going to join the NHL for at least three years yeah. beyond the draft. And, that's going to benefit whomever does end up taking this player should he start to fall. But the way I look at this draft board and the way that it's shaping up, Sat, I just I feel really good, even if the Canucks don't move up from where they end up, if they don't move up from 8, 9, 10, or 11, they're going to be able to draft a centerman or one of those right-shot defensemen mm-hmm. should they really want it. I know people have gotten angry about the idea of taking another winger and you're going to add another winger, this draft, the way it's positioning, the Canucks may end up being able to fill one of those glaring organizational needs at center or right shot D.
1: Yeah, it could, it could really work out that way, right? So I think it's going to be really interesting, but I still like to see Vancouver have the highest pick possible. Yeah. Right? Like as much as we am sitting here and saying, hey, if you're picking tenth or eleventh, that's not the worst thing. You can still get a pretty good Never player. Never hurts to, to draft higher. Because I think I think the sweet spot could be eight or nine in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. Kind of outside of that top end, you know what I mean? Where you're gonna if things play right, you're gonna there's gonna be three or four guys you really like that you can choose from.
0: Let those uh teams at five, six, seven sort of have to make the choice of the
1: tough choices that could be really that set the draft up, right? Yeah.
0: And then whoever falls to you could end up being
1: Really great. Because yeah, there's always misses. Yeah. You know, like, for all the talk, again, like just go through drafts. Mm-hmm. Look at them Every single year, almost every year.
0: Well, even Lekarimaki, Yeah. We'll see what happens with him. The Canucks had him much higher on their board
1: than 15. Yeah, they had him, like, thinking think in, in the top 10, 8 yeah. or 9, I think.
0: So when Patrick Alvine went up to select Lekarimaki, I mean, there's a reason why he was smiling from ear to ear. Uh, and it's because they really like that player. Though there was other things going on that, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, even
1: even that the Patterson draft. I yeah. mean, he sure goals first overall, and he's been fine, right? Mm-hmm. But McCarr is the best player. Nolan Patrick number two, yep. not working out. Cody Glass number six, mm-hmm. not working out. Number seven, Lias Anderson number eight, Casey Middlestad, and even nine, Rasmus Anderson Rasmus, Michael Rasmussen. But then go down a little bit. And there's Nekash. There's Suzuki, right? Yep. And there's um, Gabe Rilardi, who's finally finding his game now. There's a Lilia Robert Thomas. Turned no. out to be a really good draft. So there are a bunch of good players that go a little bit later on there, right?
0: Uh, one texture said, look at Matt Boldy from 2019. Yep. Uh, 100% Boldy has... <laughs> we made the comment just last week. Uh, would you draft Boldy over Pod Colson now? Of course you would.
1: Well, now, yeah, exactly. When yeah. we look at it because of how... But that that always happens. Yeah. You know, like there's going to be a couple of guys there and you just kind of hope that you, you luck in and hit on the guy, mm-hmm. really. And that your scouting really has the right sense on the draft. If you have those things, you can still get a really good player. That's, that's kind of the point I'm trying to illustrate. Uh, Keith asks the question, is there any way that Mitch Koff falls to eight or 11? I think there's a chance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real chance. And if he's there, I, I, like I've said all along, mm-hmm. I take him, I run. And when he, <laughs> and then in two or three years, when he gets parachuted into your lineup and he scores 30 goals. Yeah.
0: You'll be like, oh yeah, that's why they took him there. It's uh a, a loose and maybe too easy of a comp to make, but yeah, just kind of imagine dropping Kirill Kaprizov into your lineup.
1: More or less. And you're going to pass on that because, again, like no matter who you take at number 8, 9, or 10, yeah, Oliver Moore even, how many years before he makes an impact? Three, four years?
0: Mm-hmm. It's going to be a while. Yeah. So Three he, years, probably. So
1: even Mitch comes in in three. Who's going to be better in three years when they come to the NHL or they're ready for the NHL?
0: Mitch so
1: that's how you have to look at it.
0: Uh, is Reinbacher clear in a way the top-rated defenseman in the draft? That's from Jeffro.
1: No, No, no. Great question, Jeffro. but he's not. Not And not because he's not a good player, because the consensus isn't there. On a lot of teams' lists, he is, but there are some teams that like a couple other guys more than him. Axel sandin Pelika. He's one. I know Shimashev I heard a couple of people like. Mm-hmm. Guliaev, uh, I know a couple of teams really like him too, at least I've heard, or Scouts I know really like him. Um,
0: so I think not a huge year for defense. No, it's not. And again, that's one reason why I like, if you have 32 teams, like how many of these different teams are going to have a different guy at the top of their list for who the best defenseman is in the draft. Precisely. I
1: think uh, when we look at it from the industry, the the draft community, yeah. It seems like Ryan Barker is the consensus guy, but it's not this this runaway kind of mm-hmm. sense with him. And there are people that like some of the other guys because th- there isn't a huge gap between them. But th- you're gonna essentially going to have your pick of the defenseman yeah. at, at at in that range. Even if Ryan Barker goes, you'll still get two to three of the other guys you like.
0: I, I really think with um, the defensemen, as much as they aren't. All that high on a lot of draft boards or you know we just said it's it's not a great year for defensemen. one of those guys i think it's impossible to imagine a defenseman doesn't go in the top 10 yeah. of the draft like one of them will go in the top 10 of the draft one team will reach even if a lot of boards don't end up having those guys as top 10 talents coming into this draft, because there is a ton of talent up front when it comes to this draft board. Uh, a couple more on the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one asking, uh, what are you saying is teams should have more picks to limit the misses impact? Canucks logic, that's Tyler. Yeah, I mean, of course, you want to have
1: more picks. The more the more picks, the better. It all comes They do have to- seven
0: picks in rounds three and four. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. You seem underwhelmed.
1: Yeah, I don't I mean, hey, sure. Yeah. But like we're talking about, yeah, you have seven of those picks. It may give you conservatively uh no no, let's be optimistic. Optimistically it gives you a twenty percent mm-hmm. chance altogether with all of those, and I'm being very generous of you finding a star player, a single star player out of that draft with all those picks there. 20% chance. And I'm not saying it's not valuable. It is. Yep. Hey, I, I'm not saying, all I'm saying is you have to be realistic about it. What I would have preferred is to have those picks mm-hmm. and then still have a second or maybe two seconds or something. Yeah. Let alone two first, but have a couple seconds
0: and then use those picks, the extra thirds and the fourths and trades. Uh, this one, I really like Reinbacher, Leonard Moore, Dvorsky, though I would be really happy with a player from that group is uh, one text coming in and that's sort of the range we see those players going in right all of them I know you really like Ryan Leonard as a player sat I do
1: I like Leonard a lot and and it's true one of these guys one or two of these guys could be ready but I mean realistically you're looking at a three-year time frame before they start making a a decent impact like none of these guys are playing next year so you're Mm -hmm. looking at a year away the rookie year is probably not going to be a big impact season. So that's two years. The third year is probably the year he's going to be making an impact. And if that's the year that you bring Mitch in, yeah, and he's going to score 25, 30, it's going to be the similar impact. And then an if not greater upside
0: with that as well, right? Uh, Marcus and Gibson's just uh, draft gold star clients. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of good texts at the Dunbar lumber text message inbox. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I mean, Hey, uh, they have a chance at winning the draft to draft lottery. Mm-hmm. And I know it's only 3% chance, but also Vic and I went through uh, the previous draft. Since 2016, all the drafts, there's almost always a team. There's always one. One team that jumps from like 8, 9, 10, 11
0: yep. into one of those spots. The Devils, the Stars, the Rangers, the yeah. Flyers when they yeah. jumped up. Um, like there's always – there's been a bunch of teams that get – a much higher draft pick than they would have expected based on their position.
1: You got to get lucky. But my point is, there's always a team in the range Vancouver's at, seemingly, that jumps. Now, we'll see if it happens this year or not. And hey, it's all about the lottery luck. But, you know, at least the Canucks have a chance in it, right? Uh, May 8th, the draft lottery.
0: We'll get into more Canucks topics here with Irfan Gaffar, also... Thatcher Demko's final game of the season. At least that's what we are expecting with Colin Delia slated to get the finale against the Arizona Coyotes on Thursday. How has Demko changed his status with the Vancouver Canucks since his return from injury? That's next and more with Irv Kafar on Canuck Central.
1: Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans.
0: The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central in the Kintex Studio. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. A uh, little peek behind the curtains. The other day, Sat tried his first Lee's donut. Ever.
1: It was it was very good. <laughs> I really enjoyed. It. I thoroughly. I don't know enjoyed how
0: it. you're from Vancouver and have never had Lee's donuts.
1: I've had other donuts. So just, I just mean, because usually I go by because I'm not a big donut guy. Like I'm, I don't yes. go I don't go hunting. We know donut. you're shredded. We no, get it. It's not even about that. Like I, I will still eat. Like I'll like, like if I have a good. I'll have a donut. But I'm yeah. not like, hey, I gotta go get a box of donuts. Like I'm, I'm like I have one donut if I have one a week mm. every couple of weeks. And it's like, yeah, it's great. It's nice. But I've never feel the urge to go buy donuts, and I've f- thought about getting these donuts, but it's mm-hmm. always a long lineup. Yeah, I don't wait. A long I don't lineup. wait in lineups for things I like, <laughs> or things I want. So you're not going
0: to wait in line up for a donut?
1: Yeah, I, I don't have the patience. To wait. Like, uh, the only time I wait in a lineup is if I'm doing it for my partner for something. It's like, okay, like, hey, sense. I need you to get me something, and hey, something's going on here. It might be busy. Like I'll do it for her. That's nice. But outside, like for myself, no, I can't be bothered.
0: It's a good way to score points.
1: It's not even about that. It's you know
0: <laughs> just being nice.
1: You know, be, no, that, yeah. And I mean if yeah. you wanna you wanna have a good relationship, you yes. kinda of have to do certain things.
0: That's fair. <laughs> totally totally fair. Like right, what are you gonna do? <laughs> no only so many things you can say no to. Let's uh let's bring in our next guest. He is Erfan uh, Irfan Gafar joins us every Tuesday. Canucks insider at the fourth period. Um mm-hmm. you a big Lee's donuts guy?
2: Overrated. And I'm not waiting in line, but that probably leads to why I'm the one single guy to the three of us. So, there's that. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Canuck season is coming to an end, but all anybody wants to talk about is, is Bo Horvat, it seems like. And our first chance to get your take on Bo. How much of it was just still... I don't know if sour grapes is the right word for, for to describe Bo's feelings about how negotiations went here, but it seems like that was a part of what was behind his comments Saturday.
2: I got a few things to say about that. I look, I think (laughs) that Bo did, Bo Bo did get lost in the, I think it was a little bit of the crowd was on him. They just want, he's going to the playoffs and, you know, he's asked a question, and it and it just came out. I get that. I don't. He was like Eminem.
0: That, he was in the moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I don't really think that it's very kanucky you know, that they're
0: almost in the playoffs too, not not actually in. So,
2: well, he's going, and the Canucks aren't. <laughs> so, well, we'll see about the um, Islanders maybe. if they actually make it. Yeah, may, maybe not. Maybe not. We'll see in a couple of days. But um, look, I I think that I mean Bo. Uh, Said what he said, it got people pissed off, and and rightfully so, but I, I think I don't think he really like you say you apologize the next day for it or whatever and everyone said Bo knows backpedals and this and that. <laughs> I really don't think he actually meant what he was saying. Like I think it just came out. And secondly, if this is what the fan base is choosing to harp on, then there's a whole other issue of whatever. Like if you're complaining about Bo Horvat taking a shot or 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 saying something about the Vancouver Canucks and Whatever, instead of talking about about other things, then we're, we're, we're at a loss here. I mean, if the Canucks had a player that was on another team that was currently uh, that got traded to their team, and he was a star and said something in a post game interview with Murph and gave a shot to his former team, this market would eat it up like it was at least Donut. Well, yeah, yeah, of course they like, would. It, it, right? Of right. course they would. So, I mean, that could just be this market. It could be any other market. But to be completely honest, I think it's blown way out of proportion in the grand scheme of things. Who really cares? Um, this team and this franchise have a lot more to worry about than what Bull Horvat is talking about a few thousand miles away on Long Island.
1: I will say, the only thing I'll say is like he mentioned Vancouver and that's what got people going, right? Like if nobody mentioned Vancouver, well, of nobody course. Says, hey, I mean, look, he didn't, right?
2: he didn't need to, but I think it just, I think it was one of those things that it really was. Like even the moment that I said, I think it just came out. Yeah. Like, I don't think he went into this press, cut right into the post game. Just finished playing a game, they win, he's on home ice, he's the star of the game, he does the interview, and he's like, oh my god, this is my golden opportunity to take a shot at Jim Rutherford, and the (laughs) Vancouver Canucks fan base. Like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work like that. I don't think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I know my take wasn't uh, universally liked yesterday, but if you don't like it, play better. And he didn't play his best until his last year in Vancouver, when he really wanted to uh, get that contract, so... Just yeah, not feel. a lot of,
2: but the, but there are a lot of players that don't play their best until it's contract time. Either,
0: yeah. No, he's not alone on that front for sure.
2: Um, Look at JC Miller. Look at Elias Pettersson. <laughs> those guys are. Those guys got. Those guys. Are, well, he's Petey's going to get paid. He's yeah. playing his best hockey right now.
0: Yeah, p Petey, d Petey's definitely going to get paid, and we'll see him get to a hundred points maybe tonight uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. But uh, or sorry, against Anaheim. But um, it's. Like with, with Patterson, do alarm bells start to ring if he's not signed by the end of July one? Like if you wake up July second and there isn't a uh, email from the Canucks in your inbox saying Elias Patterson is signed a long term deal,
2: are you starting to worry a little bit? Not really. I mean, he's still still under contract for another season. I, I think that I've mentioned before that I don't think it's gonna take long and when they finally sit down to get something worked worked out, so maybe this is one that both parties know that it's going to be done quick, and they'll put they'll put they can put it not on the back burner per se, but as a list of a list on their priority list. But I don't know if it necessarily is going to be number one. Um, they they do want to take care of some other things, and and they know right now where I think the number is going to start at. Both parties do. Now, well, starts of the one. Yeah, exactly. And this is either 1-1 or one <laughs> Yeah. Right? 0. 0.75 or 11 on the dot. Like, something like that, right? And, and I think that when if you're Elias Pedersen and, and you're his camp and you're the Canucks and you, you both kind of have that same mindset, it, 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 it's easier to get it done. Then it's yeah. just talking about, okay – structure of the deal, well, the signing bonuses and
1: all that kind of stuff. You said structure, you took the words out of my mouth of that deal. We use a structure a lot when it comes to how the Canucks play, but this when it comes to contracts is just as yeah. important as well because hey, signing bonus money. How much of it is going to be signing bonus, right? I mean, it can be 10 million per year, but if the Canucks are giving him say 60 million of that in signing bonus money for instance, that's that's pretty significant, you yeah. know? I mean, and yeah. I think those are the types of things you have to count and keep in consideration. And one thing the Canucks have shown, at least this ownership has shown, they've shown a willingness to give big signing bonuses to players. Look at the JT Miller contract. So I think that might be the bigger discussion point. I think the numbers in terms of AAV and total money might not be too, too difficult, but hammering out the signing bonuses, how they get paid out and how that gets structured. I think that's the bigger challenge maybe.
2: Yeah, uh, no, I completely agree. And I think that with younger players, you go back and you look at a lot of these younger guys and, and how they're deals have been structured. I mean, you put the Bo Horvat one aside, Lou doesn't do signing bonuses. Um, but you look at a guy like Austin Matthews and and how his contract worked out, uh, the, the last one that he just signed, and how heavily um, signing bon- or heavy signing bonus that was. Uh, I think Mitch Marners as well, um, Matthew Kachak, I'm, I'm pretty sure those guys have a lot of money in signing bonuses when they sign their contracts. So if you're the Elias Pedersen camp and you look at it and say, this is basically what, Um, the precedent is for young guys signing their long-term deals is to get some of the signing bonus money up front or like you mentioned Sat, maybe maybe 50 or 60 million dollars in in signing bonus money um that's where i don't want to say a hiccup but that's where the bump in the road might be as to what they want to do
0: sat and i were just uh talking about the draft pick they're going to have a chance at Connor bedard we know that now is the first round draft pick, not that it's completely untouchable, but it do you think it's close to that for the Vancouver Canucks as a trade chip?
2: Untouchable? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's close. I've said before that nothing should be yeah. right. They're all, everything should be on the table. Um the Canucks, should be, the Canucks should be willing to do absolutely everything, get creative in finding ways to improve this hockey team and, and make the postseason and, and make a run. Um, now, whether that's training this pick or, you know, doing something to, to try and acquire um, a young defenseman or, or a young center, if that involves the pick, I think you take a look at it, but as it stands right now, you know, they're, they're going to have a, like you mentioned, probably a shot at Carter Bedard here in the, in this It's very, very unlikely that I think it happens. Um, but uh, the way that this draft is is set up and one of the was it one of the deepest draft years since the McDavid draft. Like there's a lot of good talent um, that's available. So if you're the Canucks and, and you like where you pick when you figure out mm-hmm. um, when that's going to happen and, and 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 what spot you're going to get, then maybe you look at it and say, okay, are we really going to get someone that can you know change or alter? The way that we look at our franchise in a couple of years, if not this season, yeah. And I, stu-
1: yeah, I still bet on them making that selection. I think you still have to add yeah. some draft picks and especially higher end talent. They don't have a ton of that coming up through the ranks, right? So I'd still, I-, I would have a hard time seeing that happening. But I do think the draft could be their most active time in terms of trade, right? Because yeah. When you look at the free agent market, especially with how thin it is, and one thing we saw about the trade market this year that I wonder if it's somewhat instructive, was teams trying to get ahead of their issues? You saw a number of trades get done before. And when you look in at the trade at the free agent market, knowing that it's pretty thin, I think teams are kind of identifying players via trade and and other things. And I think some of the conversations that were had at the deadline, and my understanding is... Now, this isn't in Vancouver, but I know two teams who I spoke to somebody from a different team told me that they had a conversation about a move they're going to make in the summer. They're not, they don't want to yeah. make it now, but they're going to make it in the off season because of their cap situation and because certain things they're interested in. So I think a lot of groundwork's been laid with a lot of teams about the off season. not to say deals will 100%, will 100% happen, but I do think that might be the moment where we see those deals in terms of clearing money, they happen then. For Vancouver Yeah,
2: I mean, and, and guys, we've talked about this before, right? At the deadline, everyone thought that the, the I mean, myself included, the Canucks were going to do some, some, some big moves and then, you know, try and get rid of Brock and see if they can facilitate a move for for a guy like Connor Garland or even Tyler Myers. But when you, in all reality, when you really looked at it, teams that weren't in the playoffs or not even in the mix had wanted nothing to do with it, right? At that time, because of cap, and cap, and and, and all sorts of stuff. But now, you look at it and you say, okay you've got teams that are are maybe going to make the playoffs and be out in the first round and and they might like guys that the Canucks have to try and improve to, to make a leap next season. Um, And then you have a whole list of other teams who are going to try and add players to, to try and even just start fresh from, from the start of next season. So when you look at it, it's 31 other teams that the Canucks can talk to and, and and try and make moves with. Whereas probably at the deadline, you're probably only looking at, to be completely honest, a list of maybe eight to 12 teams that were really, really looking to do business.
0: Do you think uh, Miller trades get explored again?
2: Uh, (laughs) I don't
0: know. It's a story that won't go away. Uh, It's like, it won't go away. We keep asking about it. This
2: story will not go away. What do you think about it? (laughs) Yeah. Is he going to fight Kempe again?
0: (laughs) I mean, Kempe wanted the smoke, so... I guess he took it. JT was so confident. He's like, you know what? I'm going to fight Southpaw.
2: (laughs) Exactly. That's the thing. No, but look, like I said, everything should be on the table. I I don't think that unless your name's Elias Pettersson or or, or Quinn Hughes or Thatcher Demko, I I think the Canucks um, should be open and willing and active in engaging on discussions for every other player to, Try and improve the hockey team. Now, whether they view it completely different right now, yeah. that, that could be, that, that's completely out of the question. But if someone's calling, you're not saying no. And I think that that's the biggest thing. I don't think that they're calling and saying, hey, what about this guy? What about our shiny new number nine where his contract's going to kick in next season? I think if they answered calls and someone, someone asked them about um, a guy like JT, they would definitely have that conversation.
0: Demko's playing his final game of the season tonight. We expect uh we expect Colin Delia to play the finale against Arizona on Thursday. As as like there was a ton of speculation around Demko as well. Do you think his play has sort of quieted that? Like he's he's not going anywhere, I can't imagine. No.
2: And I think that you know that Dr. Demko a a good goalie.
0: Yeah. Right?
2: It's it's, a, it's it makes playing hockey a lot easier if you know you've got a pretty solid goaltender between the pipes, And Demko's been that, right? That's why he got the contract. That that's why he's their number one. Um, that's why they believed in him. And I think that, you know, if their window to make the postseason and to retool or, or try and <laughs> redefine what this team is, um, you got to have Thatcher Demko there. Unless you're willing to just blow it up. But if they're willing to blow it up and go for Bedard, that's who you would have gotten rid of, right? It would have been the Thatcher Demko trade. You would have tried to move him if, if you really 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 yeah. wanted to quote-unquote tank and try and you know make a deep run at this Bedard two, sweepstakes you probably would have traded your goaltender yeah and they didn't do that and now they have someone and and he's playing well and it's and they're playing better in front of him as well um so yeah I, I think that you know he's he's definitely going to be a Canuck at, at least for the remainder of his contract yeah I
1: mean <laughs> I mean, you, go, you don't go out and make the heronic trade, right, if you're no. looking to, uh, you know, tank, so to speak, and and be down for a couple of years. So I think it's pretty yeah. clear what the, what the intent is right now for the organization. The question is, can you pull it off? And, you know, the other part, the other thing that's kind of percolating here is the situation with Tanner Pearson. And in terms of cap purposes, as long as he's out, well, it opens up. LTIR space for you potentially depending on and it doesn't look likely he's coming back anytime soon next season and we'll see if his career even goes back on track Elliot Friedman today on Donnie and Dolly mentioned uh, it's not sure whether he plays again and it could lead to a grievance being filed by the player if he can't play after his current injury and his contract ends so uh, where do you see this Tanner Pearson situation going and or may, or maybe more importantly how long until we get some clarity here considering his status for next year
2: well, I think you're, they're going to wait until the summer and kind of just wait until everything ends. And uh, once all the dust is settled, they're going to go back and look at it. And obviously Tanner Pearson's going to do what he has to do to uh, try and play again if, if, if he can. And, and, you know, you obviously hope. And I know he's got a sort of family and things like that, that, you know, his hand isn't – I bet he can't even use it anymore, really. But um, if he's not able to play because of this, I mean, if I'm Tanner Pearson, I'm filing a grievance, Right. I think that that's one of the things you have to look at. You know, how many years of hockey did he have left? Maybe, maybe a few more contracts may, or, or sorry, maybe at least one, one, maybe two more contracts here uh, he's uh, not, he's, year or, or two years.
1: Right. He's thirty thirty right? 30 years old, turns 31 in August, right? He'll be 32 yeah. when his contract ends heading into the season after next year. So, I mean, he can easily make the argument he had two or three years left.
2: Yeah. And I think the Canucks, and I think with what's happening, the Canucks, I don't want to say they know it could come, but I think they have an idea, you know, what could be the be-all end-all if Tanner can't can't play at all. And the crazy thing is, you know, obviously he hasn't come back yet, and it'll be interesting if he does end up meeting the media, um, you know, and after when the Canucks have all their player availabilities at the end of the season, and really what he has to say about it. Um, Because I can bet you he's definitely not pleased with the way that things went down um so it, it'll definitely be an interesting one there and then that just has to go into effect of the cap space and 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 all and things like that and, and what's going to happen there and work and if they can bury that contractor or get the ltir or waste the spot or maybe buy him out or, or things like that so it's definitely an interesting one to to keep an eye on here but i think that we're going to get some clarity once the dust settles like really into the summer
0: so I know in the lead up to the deadline, we sort of talked about the Calgary Flames and what could happen there. They obviously stayed course. Now they fall short of the playoffs. We know the GM is, you know, contract is expiring. Not everything has gone well with coach there. Do you see a lot of changes coming in Calgary this summer?
2: Yeah, and I think the one starts behind the bench. I really do. Well, they're two, uh, like,
0: all the highest-paid guys that they locked into didn't seem to really mesh well with the coach.
2: Yeah, and then I think that if you go back to days in L.A. and the way things kind of mm-hmm. ended there for Daryl, I mean, he won two Stanley Cups, but I think the way that things just ended there, it was a little bit of that too, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of butting of heads between the veterans and then and, and the top-end guys and the head coach. I mean, look, daryl has got a specific way he coaches. He's got a specific way he goes about his business and, and things like that. And, some guys don't like to be talked to a certain way. Some guys like, don't, don't, don't like being told what to do or, or, or the way it should be done or this is the only way or we're not going to adapt and we're not going to do things and it has to happen this way. They lost 31 goal games. And that's a crazy stat, right, for, yeah. for, for that Flames team where, I mean, to be completely honest, you know, they made that trade with for what they got in getting back from Goudreau and Kachuk and what they turned that into. I thought at the beginning of the season they might have been better than they were with those two obviously not, but um, you, you, you go and you look at that team and you say, okay, they're still locked in to a lot of contracts. Um, still a veteran group um, at the same point, And I think you maybe try and run it back with a different head coach. And, you know, you have your, you, you lock in your GM there, and then you maybe give them an, an extension or time to see what happens. I'm not entirely sure what, what their plan is there with, with tree living, but I think the change that's going to have to start is the one behind the bench.
1: Um, Earth. Before we let you go, pretty big game for the Lakers. Brian and Burke Mountain is asking us, who do you think is going to win? More importantly, uh, Lakers or Timberwolves? Is the play-in game? For the oh, Lakers. I'd be surprised
0: uh, if two Lakers is, fans are picking the T Wolves here.
2: That is the most important <laughs> game in California today. Yes, it is. It's. I'll I mean, tell you it, that right it, now. the stakes might be you slightly like, higher
1: than uh, the bottom of the barrel teams facing in Anaheim tonight. Usually I
2: hit ref- back on my remote. I'm not hitting back today. I'm glad it's locked in on the Lakers. i tell you that
1: right now. I'm glad we have but, multiple no, screens mean, at, at the uh,
2: office. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. at the office, yes. Well, I mean, obviously. I, seven and a half is a big number, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if they points. cover. I mean, no
2: Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I don't I know think if they, they cover. It, but I think but, they win. Yeah. I don't know. Also, do you guys have a problem with the flag? I know people were complaining on Twitter today. I'll ask you you have a problem with these guys not playing like Marner and Matthews in the final two games? I have no problem with it at all.
1: I don't have an issue with those guys not playing. What I think is a joke is that the NHL is so poor that teams can actually look at it and say, "Hey, we're going to play a guy on a PTO in goal because <laughs> well, you know, okay, that's yeah, how you get because like, we can't
2: even much...
0: call up a guy from the
2: a. I don't think that's the league. I think that's the, just the Leafs. I don't even yeah. think that one's on the it league.
1: I no. I, league. I know, but I just, it's one of those things. I think like the league should be set up in a way goaltending wise. I think. Yeah. That you shouldn't be relying on guys on amateur contracts to play for you. like It's a joke. Like, I think it's a great story every once in a while if things happen emergency wise, but like, come on. This is a National Hockey League. Yeah. And we're bringing yeah, we PTO don't either, guys we don't, out we don't here.
2: Either, we don't need the like, Zamboni on. driver every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, like come on. Every so often.
0: There's got to be something they could do with the cap to allow.
1: Yeah, like it's, it's a joke that you're having guys who aren't anywhere near NHL caliber like being used as actual net minders in games outside of emergency situations. Yeah. Like true emergency. You know, like two guys get hurt and you got to pull a guy down from the stands. Like to me, that's an emergency that an e-bug is there for. Yes. Not like, hey, we're yeah. capped out. Let's bring a PTO guy to
2: play. <laughs> you know, you know what was so just hates really the leaves, funny. Though. No, I don't even care about the leaves. <laughs> no, it's, it's just an I, NHL Well, that will agree with me on this. Can you imagine if that video of Cujo walking into the rink was him to be like the e-bug? yeah remember yeah (laughs) remember i was like on hockey night in canada and just so happened he was walking into the arena with his gear when one of the goalies got hurt oh my god
0: sat is as upset about this as i was about patrick Cantlay on sunday (laughs) why you just don't like slow golfers oh my god the worst hit the ball so they have like a swing clock they should you should get a penalty yeah for, for being that long for taking so long
2: anyways i think so i agree
0: uh Go Anthony Edwards, uh, star of Hustle, and uh, gonna shut down the Lakers tonight. We'll see it.
2: Okay, how's, yeah, Juventus. how's Juventus
1: doing in the Champions League? <laughs> but I mean, I think the Timberwolves should be too worried. Should worry about not fighting each other instead of trying to fight the Lakers yeah, tonight. So fair. I think the, that's the biggest issue.
2: Thanks, Erf. Well, hope there's no hope there's no walls in the Staples Center that can be punched. <laughs> Thanks, Erf. See you guys.
0: Now uh, there he is, the best, on uh, Gafar joining us here on Canuck Central. Canucks insider at the fourth period. Yes. Uh, somebody
1: asked us here. Ask, Please ask about Heronic. Well, uh, there isn't a real update on Heronic. I've asked around about him. He's essentially rehabbing. His injury doesn't need surgery. He needs yeah. to kind of rehab. It's like, I heard he didn't re-aggravate or anything. It's just, just needs to fully heal, get to
0: 100%. Like, why? What's the point of you playing through anything at this point? They just wanted to see him in a few games. Yeah. And then they shut him down because, you know, they're not trying to win right now. Now,
1: we are going to hear from management on Monday, I believe it is. And we'll mm-hmm. see ultimately when the team announces uh, their end of season State of the Union address once the season's come to an end here. Yeah. And we'll get a bit of an update. I suppose it's possible they get tell us something we don't know. But my guess is they'll say he's rehabbing. He'll be good to go for the start of next season. And unless anything changes, we'll hear about it then.
0: It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canuck Central.